That's not what I wrote about Yashiv. I wrote in Punim Yufus, when I flew. This is an interesting word by Riven. Riven was, was the one who went to save Yosef from the bar. So he says, the Pusik says, The brothers are saying, We're going to take him, we're going to kill him. We're going to see what's going to be with his dreams. He dreamt that he's going to be a, a ruler, a king. So Rashi says that it was a Baskal Umar, It wasn't the brothers ending off what's going to be with his dreams. The Baskal said, We're going to see what's going to happen with his dreams. So he brings from Mezaida that that's why it says afterwards Vayishma Riven Vayetzilayim Yudam why did Riven go and save them so he brings the Gemura the Gemura in Tanis brings the Gemura by Ilfa and Rabbi Yechelen right they were, they were together and there was a Baskel and, and um, Rabbi Yechelen heard it and he asked Ilfa did you also hear the Baskel he said no he said oh if you didn't hear it only I did it must mean that I'm the one that's supposed to, that, that was supposed to hear it I, it was my message it was for me not for you he says Riven heard this Baskel the Baskal said, and even heard that Baskal, oh, what's going to be with those dreams? What's going to be with that? It has to happen. Right? If he gets killed, they're not going to, they're not going to be fulfilled. And because he heard it, he realized it must be that it's his mission to take care of, and that's why he went to, to save Yosef. So this is a very typical idea, something I talk about very often. I hate people quoting me on this and repeating it and telling me that they heard this from me many times already. I mean, in general, in life, everybody has their calling. Everybody has the thing they're supposed to be doing. Right? So often you see somebody came up with a good idea and, and implemented it. Why? Because he, he got the idea. Must, it was like it was, it was for him to do. And it's always like that, Menashemayim. And so often people come up with ideas and they're waiting for someone else to do it. So often you hear someone saying, you know, I have a great idea. If only uh, this, this would be taken care of, if only this service would be made available to the public, if only uh, this could be, people could be helped so much, if only somebody would. Only if somebody would. If you see an issue, do it. Take care of it. There's so much that you could do. Waiting for someone else to do something, especially if it's something that you that you realize is a problem, you know, it's it's, it's a shame. It's a shame because sometimes you don't have to hear Basco. It doesn't have to be a, an invention or an idea, something innovative. Just just the fact that you notice a problem, the fact that you notice something something could be done, something has to be done. That alone could mean that you notice it for a reason. And when it comes to relationships, when you see a problem in a relationship, in your relationship, when you see some, when you see something that's being done incorrectly, something that shouldn't be the fact that you noticed it the fact that it's bothering you very often very often it means that you can do something about it now uh, what do you mean but I'm noticing the problem by someone else it's my, it's my wife that's a problem it's my husband that should be doing things differently if you notice it and it's bothering you very often that's enough to assume that there's something you could do about it I talk about it all the time so many different topics in Shulam Bias where we talk about you know so often people hear a topic discussed I mean, just, just last week also, a guy tells me that so often his wife comes with my classes and says, you know, I think you should listen to this one, you should listen to that one. Now, I don't know if she heard it or not, but if you hear any one of my classes fully, you'll almost always hear me mention that this is something you should do. This is something you should do. And there's so many topics like that. There are the more common ones. You know, for example, if you tell someone, for example, there's no excuses in life. There's no excuses. You know, you could always excuse yourself for everything, but you, know, you, don't want to be, you don't want to be living with excuses. You always want to overcome every challenge and do it. When somebody tells that to someone else that's downright hurtful and, and insensitive, tell someone who's dealing with a challenge or a struggle, there's no excuses in life. You shouldn't be excusing yourself. That's for you. And the same thing is with everything in life. When you hear someone bring out a point, the point is, where can I do that better? So my, my spouse doesn't compliment me enough. I'm going to give him a class to hear about complimenting. Maybe I could also give more compliments. Maybe I can give more sincere compliments. Maybe the ones that I do give, they fall flat because it sounds like I'm reading out of a book. 
No, but I compliment often. I know, but maybe there's something you could do even more. And I, I often add, and even if your spouse is the one that has to compliment, maybe there's something that you could do to make your spouse compliment more. Not, not tell him, go listen to a share about it. Maybe you could take a compliment better. Maybe when he tried complimenting you, you said, no, it's fine. Oh, that's something else. Maybe you could even tell him what kind of compliment you like, but not in a degrading or condescending way, like, oh, you don't know how to make someone feel good. No, you know, it means a lot to me when you notice this that I do, and you mention it. And when he mentions it, instead of saying, yeah, yeah, no, say thank you, I appreciate that. So even if it's your spouse that does have to compliment more, and you're a star at it, there's still something you could do to get him to compliment you more. You could, you could appreciate the compliment, and you could tell him what it is that you like, and you could be more vulnerable, vulnerable and more honest, and, and, and not have your pride get in the way. And this is with almost every topic. Every time, there's almost always something you could do. And this is something that we're going to be talking about a little bit uh, now as well. So, let me read this question. It's a little long, and I think I'm just going to skim it because it's very long. And a little, uh, maybe too, too graphic or too detailed. Um, so let me just uh, see what's relevant over here. Dear by Gruen, I'm an avid listener and literally indulge in, every, in the very doable, practical, and applicable talks that you share on Torah anytime. I sometimes smile to myself that you plant digital eyes in my dining room or kitchen and feelings of normalcy wash over me when I hear you mention topics that I was certain it is only us that are struggling with them. Perhaps I may humbly suggest that it may be helpful to mention a concept like this in an upcoming share. I have a close relative that experienced a very difficult divorce experience. Okay, they, they got divorced... The husband divorced this. This husband that she's referring to divorced his wife, um, not because of anything bad that he was attracted to someone else, but just because she wasn't anymore nice in his eyes. He didn't like her anymore. Now, being that I watched this happen, I was very sad to to watch this experience. I had this nagging fear that maybe one day Chazal Shulim it could happen to me. And I know, I know that it's only trepidation and not, and, not, and not reality. But I decided to take the courage to be vulnerable and approach my husband to ask him if this would ever happen over here. Now, of course, all I wanted to hear was some chizik from him and have him tell, him that, and have him tell me that no, chaz would never happen to us, you know, and that all this anxiety that I'm feeling is obviously not uh, in place and unreasonable. I'm skipping some details over here. But in the meantime, when I went over to him, I made myself very vulnerable. And I said, please let me feel more secure and promise me that this will never happen to us. Instead of getting the confirmation and validation... The answer that I got was, the ball is in your court. And he just went on as everything is normal. Now, obviously, this made me feel very insecure. What I was looking for was a confirmation that, no, this could never happen to us. What's the question? Divorce is like, not even the question. In the meantime, all I heard was that the ball is in my court. And yeah, in other words, if I'll be the very good wife, and I'll do everything I should do, then this relationship will be good. And if I don't, then obviously the consequence of my doings will be that... Uh, you know, something could happen. And this ball that's in my court is too heavy for me to carry, and I feel very burdened by this marriage being my responsibility. And then she goes on to all thing over here. Now, my husband's a very special person, and technically he helps me a lot, and I'm very appreciative, but I feel that throwing the emotional and intimate and neshuma chaylik of this relationship onto my shoulders is just too much for me. And I feel that my husband sometimes puts up with me and my moods and all that. Um... And all I wanted was some security from him that I'm not getting. Okay. So basically, that's the question. That's the question. 
Should everything really depend on me, and am I never allowed to be grouchy, moody, or depleted, have depleted spirits? You know, if I'm ever not doing what I should, does that mean that I'm jeopardizing my relationship, and all that? Okay, that was a very good question. Let me just start off with the compliment that I got. Okay, thank you for the compliment, complimenting my my shiurim, and that smile that you give yourself, wondering if I have a digital eye in your house, watching all, everything that's going over there, and, and feeling so normal when you hear different things being discussed. Um, yeah, it's a very good point. Uh, I want to I wanna mention it. I want to mention it. I hear this from people very often. You know, you hear something being discussed at any time in a class. Of course, on the one hand, you don't want to turn every problem into something that's relevant to you. I think I spoke about this recently. Now, the point is not to say, oh, that's a problem. Hmm, it's a problem in my relationship too. Right? I'm not, I'm not trying to spread problems, Chazoshon. I am trying to spread awareness. First of all, there are things that are problems that, that people should know about. And if something's happening in your relationship that's not the way it should be, um, there's something you could do about it. I'm like, I always say, there's something you could do about it. Do something about it. So somebody's being hurt by you, or even hurting you, Chazoshon, in a way that could be helped and, and improved and, and made better. Why not? So the lack of awareness sometimes about an issue is definitely something that should be dealt with responsibly. Again, not to make things worse, but just to make things better. And then there's the second part, the comforting part of knowing that many people struggle with every issue. Just recently, somebody sent me an email thanking me for my classes, and he tells me that his wife asks him very often, um, did you send in that question? Did you send in that question? No, he didn't. And I told him, you know, that just goes to show, first of all, how normal you are. If everything that people are discussing is something that's going on in your house as well, obviously not everything, but you know, tell your wife, listen, it must be us, not only us, it's not only me. Right? There's a lot of people, you know, there's the idea of Tzuras Rabbim Chutz And I once uh, heard somebody explain that Tzuras Rabbim Chutz Nechoma, it's, uh, it's not because you like hearing that somebody else is struggling. You know, as the typical understanding, Tzuras Rabbim, when a lot of people struggle, it's, you know, it's comforting. Why is it comforting to see other people struggle? The answer is because when you see so many people struggle with the same thing, and you realize it's not only you, it's not only your background, it's not only your, your dysfunctional upbringing, it's not only the difference of uh, culture, you and your spouse, it's, not, it's nothing. Very many people struggle with the same thing. It's comforting to know there's nothing wrong with you. And it's comforting to know that there's help for almost every issue and every topic and everything that people are struggling with. So it's not a question. Um, and it's not good when people think that the situation is unique and then they perceive the, themselves and their relationships as, as dysfunctional or unhealthy. Just this past week, my secretary got a call from somebody who was describing an issue and, like, very skeptical. Do you think Rabbi Gron could help me with this? He said, let me hear, tell me more about it, and, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll let you know if there's something Rabbi Gron deals with. And that person started describing something so typical, but so typical. Even my, I think even my secretary would probably be able to help with that, just from, just from you know, following. But I'm saying, sometimes something so typical looks to someone so challenging. Now, of course, when it hits home, it's more challenging than when you hear people are struggling with it. But the fact that you know that, that this is normal, and either when it comes to raising children or marriage, this is what people go through. This is the normal way of life. You know, it's, a, it's, it's all you're expecting. Right? We, we all find it normal to go to a doctor. Why? Because everyone goes to a doctor at some point. And whoever has children also goes to a doctor. So, so what's the issue? Of course, you, of course you go to a doctor. Right? But somebody who, who doesn't know that you're supposed to go to a doctor, and right after they have a baby, the first month or two, they're already going for doctor visits. Like, oh, you think it's a problem. So that's, that's definitely one... Uh, issue that I wanted to mention. Let's go to the next issue over here, and that is the issue of Nesir Chaim. You had some relative over here who got divorced because there wasn't Chaim, whatever you want to call it, attraction, or, you know, having that pleasant Nesir Chaim, liking, liking the person you love, you know. So, first of all, Nesir Chaim is definitely a very important topic, especially when it comes to Shadikim. 
Okay, it's something not spoken about often, but it's, it's a very important topic. It's sad when people, unfortunately, have problems in their marriage, and, and even more unfortunate when they get divorced, and they say, oh, we never, I never really wanted to marry this person in the first place. Why did you do the shidduch? Because I was supposed to, they told me, whatever. And this is a very sensitive topic, by how to do shidduchim. And there's a way that we do it, in high circles. And Baruch Hashem, it's a wonderful way, with a lot of success, and, and a success rate just as good as anyone else. However, there's, there's always the factor of actually making sure that a, a chusna and a kala, a boy and a girl, want to get married to each other. And if they're going to want to say, I never really want to do it, that, that's a problem. It's a problem. So you definitely want to, want to some, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a class in Torah time from David Levy where he talks about that. You know, what, what you are and what you're not trying to see in a, in a shidduch. He says so much of the information, so much of everything around you could trust a lot of people with. But just having two people sit together and see that there's a certain to see as chaim, if you don't have that, then, then you, know, you, might, you might be missing something very important. So that's very, it's, it's very important. And I'm not going to elaborate on it, but it's something to think about, especially for parents who are helping their children with Shadikim, or even people who are looking at themselves for Shadikh, just to know what it is that you're really looking for. Um, and what it is that you, you can't trust other people about, just to know that, that this, uh, it's a match. Then there's a different thing. And that's in Siyas Chaim once you're married already. In other words, even if somebody originally wanted to get married and the beginning everything looked great, and then there's an the ongoing Siyas Chaim. Right? As long as you're married, you want, you want to find favor in each other's eyes. Not a question. More of that is not so much any more um, physical attraction, physical Chaim, or even personality Chaim. Very often people get married in the beginning, they were fine with each other. They like each other, they're ready to commit, they're in a relationship. It's beautiful. From there on, a lot of it is emotional. So when somebody is married happily and then slowly over time loses that Nesiyah Schein, what is that? Very often, that's, that's, not, that's not so much what we call Nesiyah Schein anymore. That's, that's people are either not treating each other so well or not behaving in a way that's attractive to one another. Now, I don't mean to blame either the woman or the man or anyone. I'm saying very often we could call it Nesiyah Schein, but it's really more, more, it's really more um, understandable than that. Nesiyah Schein is often what we refer to when we're talking about something like it's a certain emotional connection, you know, it's a certain, uh, what people call chemistry, uh, something, you know, I like this person, why? I don't know, I just like that person, that's fine. Once people are married, and, they got, and they're happily married, when, when something about that spark that's missing, is very often something that can be very uh, explained and understood. It's not any more that magic that can be understood. I'm saying this because, you know, when you see somebody going through a difficulty in a marriage and, and sometimes terminating a marriage, very often it looks like I don't know, they just don't, they don't like each other anymore. It's usually much more explainable than that. Let me tell you. Dealing with situations for a long time, I can tell you that you could always come up with the real reasons, the tangible things that could have or should have been done or, or should not have been done that were done, you know, that, that, that explain why something went sour. And the reason why I'm saying this is because talking about somebody who's watching someone else's problem and then starting to get anxiety, uh-oh, what if I have that problem? Now, aside from the fact that we should always be betayach b'ashem and not live with fear, not live with problems, but if you tell me that you have anxiety over your health issues, your medical issues, right, it's more understandable. Why? Because, of course, you should be betayach b'ashem, you should be very calm, you should feel shalvas nefesh b'tayach, the way the Chavis talks about it. But if you don't, I understand, because sometimes people get sick, and it's unpredictable. I don't know, that's what happened. This, this person got sick. Not always, not, not just not always, very, most often, you can't explain why somebody got sick. Why do you get sick? I, I don't know. I don't have to think about it. So somebody's anxious about that, I understand. Okay, he's very anxious. Maybe, maybe what happened to that person will happen to him. And like I said, we're not supposed to live that way, we're supposed to trust in Hashem. But there's that understanding that somebody's anxious that maybe it will happen. 
So he, he right away he has he has all kinds of insurance, he has his life insurance and other things, and he's going to constant checkups because he's afraid that maybe it's random, right? People get sick. Now the word random I know is again, it's not something we it's not the way we believe in, it's not the way we, we live, but but I understand. When it comes to relationships, it's not random anymore. It's almost always understandable and predictable. It's almost always understandable and, pre- and predictable. It is. You know, the, the, you could you could almost always understand why something went wrong. So if you're seeing someone else's relationship go bad, instead of being afraid it will just, by the way, all of a sudden happen to you, why would it just happen to you? Again, either, either that person did something, someone, so, so one of the two people did something that caused the relationship to go sour. It doesn't mean that they're responsible. It doesn't mean the other person's not responsible. But something happened. And if you're going to maintain your relationship and do what you could in your shalom bias to the best of your ability, then there's no reason to be afraid that one day you know, it will just evaporate and, and it will be who knows what will happen. And that's something to think about. Now, let me go on to another point over here, and that is that, that there, are, there are things that should not be discussed in a marriage. Okay? I'll give one, one simple example and then talk about what we're talking over here. Very often you could, you could have a lot of good explanations to explain to your spouse why her or his mother did something wrong. Or why his or her family is totally off about a certain topic. A very logical explanation. But many people will, will guide you and, and be mother of you to not discuss things like that because it won't be taken well. And I, I know that sometimes your, your spouse is more upset at her mother than you are. And I'm saying, if that's not the case, right? if I can explain to someone why someone who they care about, someone who is very personal to them, did something wrong... As good as you'll explain it, even if you win the argument and you end up proving your point, it's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. Yeah, but your mother did, and my mother, and your mother. So there's some things that you just don't do. So the point is not, the reason why I'm giving this this, this um, um, specific example is because sometimes you talk about things that people say, what do you mean? There's no secrets in marriage. You should tell me how you feel. And well, not always. You don't always tell someone how you feel about something that the person won't take well. Especially if it's going to have long-term repercussions. The fact that you were so uh, expressive and open about something that bothered you when it wasn't being it wasn't being taken well. You have to know what to say, what not to say. So when it comes to talking about a topic like like divorce, going to a husband saying, Are you gonna divorce me? You know, even if it was settled maybe a little better than that, but it might not be the smartest thing to talk about. It's one of the things you don't want to talk about. It's one of the things you don't want to bring up. You don't want to bring up the topic. You don't want to talk about, you know, I hope this won't happen. Imagine if a couple right after they get married uh, will say something like, you know, I hope we have kids right away. But if we don't have kids for 10 years, you know, maybe we should get divorced, right? You don't want to talk about that in the Yiddish or Steve. It's not something you talk about in the marriage. You, you, you don't want to bring up this topic. Now, I don't mean that it should never ever be brought up because there's a time and place for this topic. And this is not what I want to discuss now, but I'm just mentioning it. Marriage is not unconditional. Marriage is not unconditional. I've just made marriage uh, with, with, certain, with a certain framework, how it works. And, and there are, there's always a way to jeopardize a marriage. And there's always a time and place where somebody will say, listen, I love you daily and I want this to work, but if this and this is going to happen, then we might have to go that route. You only say that when you mean it, and when you're very clear and planned out about why you're saying something. So in a, in a normal relationship, as anxious as you are, aside from the fact that you shouldn't be so anxious, like I said, uh, but there's certain things you don't bring up because you don't want this mentioned in your house. So that's something to think about. You want to deal with your anxiety a different way, not by bringing up things that shouldn't be brought up. Now let me go to the last point, which is the big point over here. That is, well, the balls in my court, it feels so, such a heavy ball to carry. You know, well, the balls in my court, I'm going to make or break this relationship. So, I spoke about this recently at the Kesha Nafshi Shabbaton. Um, actually, those who get my weekly, my weekly essay, I, I added a link to that, to that, 
class that I gave over there about this. Yes, yes. Very often the ball's in your court. And it's not only because your husband put it in your court. It's not only because you're a woman. It's because the ball's in everyone's court. And that's what I started off with. There's always something you could do about this. You want to feel empowered. You want to feel, not challenged, empowered by, yes, the ball's in my court. What can I do? What can I do to make my relationship better? What do you mean? I have to? You don't have to. There's not codependency. You're not responsible for someone else's mistakes. It's possible that someone else is making a mistake in your relationship and it's that person's fault. And you're not responsible to clean up that mess. It's possible. But you should feel empowered by the fact that you could do something to better your relationship. At the end of the day, it's yours. You know, you're not just caring for someone else because you could. I'm not, telling, I'm, I'm not just telling you that you could do something for everyone and if your neighbor is struggling, there's always something you could do to help your neighbor. And, and you know, please, I don't want to feel so responsible. It's not, this is your relationship. And there's almost always, I, I say almost, you know, but there's almost always something that you could do to help your relationship. Now, People ask me all the time, right? I deal with Sean Bias for quite a few years already, and I only take men. Those, those of you who try calling my office know this. I only, I only sit with men. Now, my wife does sit with women, so I, I do have that service to offer. She does a phenomenal job, Hashem. But most often, the men that I see, the women that she sees, are not husband and wife. They're not. Uh, sometimes they are, but most often not. Because the way I deal with things, and, and the, the, the methodology I'm trying to help people understand, is there's, something, there's always something you could do. And that's what my wife tries sharing with women as well. So if you have a, you're having a problem, you come talk to me, I don't, I don't need your spouse here. I'm not, I'm not going to negotiate with you. I'm not, I'm not a marriage counselor. I'm not here to, to, to show who's right or wrong and call the shots and make someone feel stupid. Another one feel resentful. Another one go, eh, eh. You want to know what you could do? I'll tell you what you could do. And the bigger the problem your spouse is, okay, if you feel that your spouse is off the charts, totally off, the bigger, that, the, bigger the problem, the, the, more, the more the part of the solution you are. Very often, the fact that you're dealing with somebody who's unfortunately doing things very wrong, let's call it, it just goes to show that there's more on you. Not because, again, not because you're responsible to, do, to clean up the mess, but maybe you're less part of the problem and more part of the solution. You should feel good about that. You should feel good, not, not, not resentful and not responsible. But it's good. it's good to know there's so much I could do. And when you think about it, you know, having a relationship depend on you and your actions and your behaviors, at the end of the day, it's always like that. Regardless of what your husband is telling you if the ball's in your court or not, it is. In other words, I think, I think everyone understands that technically everybody has within them the power to ruin a relationship. I think that everyone, everyone feels good about that privilege. I'm saying that's not something anyone would deny. In other words, if you ask people, is there something you could do to break your relationship? Is there something you could do to destroy your marriage? I don't think anyone would say, uh, yeah, I mean, something's like, but again, so relationships, I can't do, I can't do it all myself. You could, you could. You could destroy your relationship on your own. Honestly, I'll teach you how. Let me know. Listen, let's come up with some ideas, some things that your spouse won't tolerate. Okay, mummish red lines. And you'll do one, two, three of them. And if your spouse is very tolerant, we'll do six of them. And you'll destroy your marriage. Okay, did anyone ever feel so, um, you know, so um, burdened by that responsibility? I can't handle walking around knowing that I could, I could destroy my marriage. Such a responsibility. Yeah, you could. <laughs> That's what it means to be a person who has an influence and a big part in the relationship. So I'm just trying to give the flip side and tell people you have everything it takes to build your marriage. You have everything it takes to make sure that somebody else won't destroy your marriage. It's by learning how to deal with difficult situations. Those of you who read my book and those of you who know what I teach about understanding personalities, the more difficult a personality that someone has, your spouse, whether it's your husband or your wife, the the more that I'll give you to deal with, the, the more keys you have in your hands how to make that person feel good. For example, you're dealing with somebody who's hypersensitive. 
and they take things wrong. Instead of explaining and debating and fighting and showing them and proving them wrong, where they took everything wrong, where the comment was taken wrong, where the reaction was wrong, don't do that. Appeal to that person's ego. Make the person feel good. And you'll see you'll have a good relationship. Now, I know a lot of people are thinking, oh no, this is my responsibility to appeal to his ego. He needs, he has problems, anger management problems and, and, and narcissism and whatever else. Now, after, you don't have to do anything. But you could, it's a lot easier than you think. Think about it. Feel empowered. I, especially if it's a woman. Which woman doesn't have the key to her husband's heart in her hands? And it's the same way around the other way, actually. But, you know, the fact that you could make your husband feel very good, the fact that you could build him up, the fact that you can make him feel like a king, that's something to be, to be feel good about. It's not a responsibility. I have the ball in my court. I can't handle it. Feel good about it. And it's not only that, but I'm, I just first want to start with that. So if somebody has difficulties or issues or challenges and, and there's ways for you to deal with someone else's challenges, that, that's amazing. I don't have to have that person fixed. That person won't go for help. That person will never agree he has an issue. But something I could do to help that person? That's, that's, that's something to feel good about, I think. Um, and, and it's not it's not codependencies. I'm not saying you're responsible. I was recently at a place. It was very it was very um, unpleasant. But we were a lot of people together, and somebody tried telling someone else what to do, and that person couldn't handle it and lashed out, and it became this huge confrontation in front of a bunch of people. It was very sad. It was very sad to see somebody um, lose themselves like that. Now, if that person needed help with some anger management or other issues that were going on in his life, or other things that made him very uh, incapable of dealing with how he felt challenged, obviously. But I think everyone around understood, okay, I realize now that I'm not going to challenge this person. If you step on someone's toe, and they have an ingrown toenail, and they scream, the point is not to, send, to which doctor to send them to. The point is to realize, oh, I'm not going to step on his toe, I'm going to be careful now. I'm not trying to step on anyone's toe, but if I step on someone's toe, it will be someone else's, not his. Sometimes you just have to realize that I'm dealing with somebody who's not handling certain things, and the ball is in my court. And I'm going to take that ball and deal with it and feel good about it. Now let me clarify something very important. The ball in my court doesn't always mean that I'm going to challenge that person less and be nicer to him and cater to him like a baby and, and, and never make a mistake in my life. No. Very often, the ball in your court also means that you're going to be assertive. You're going to say when somebody's bothering you. That's also part of the ball in your court. Somebody's hurting you and you don't say anything? The ball's in your court. Why don't you say something? Oh, because when I say something, it's not taken well. Say it nicely. I see so often right, these kinds of studies about uh, marriage and divorce and causes and everything. I can say very clearly. I, can't, I won't say that you see that the better marriages are the ones where somebody tolerates and keeps their mouth shut all the time. I won't say that. I also won't say that the better marriages are the ones where somebody always sticks up for themselves and makes sure nobody gets away with anything. No, Ochnish. The better marriages are the ones where when somebody is hurt or offended by something, they do say something, they don't enable by letting it be a given and happen again and again and again. They say something, but they say it very nicely. They start off saying that I know you didn't mean it. They start off saying that it could be it's my problem. I don't, I don't judge you. And they're very clear about, you know, this thing bothered me very much. I'd really appreciate it if it doesn't happen. And if the next time, you know, we always talk about the future, not about the past. If we could do it like this, it would mean so much to me. Those are the people that have a better marriage. In other words, those are the people that are not going to suffer from things that are happening again and again. And they're also the people that are not challenging anyone or fighting and turning it into a major confrontation and it's a big emotional challenge that just gets in the way of anything moving forward. So don't think that by saying something to somebody who can't handle it, you're doing the wrong thing. You have to say it nicely. The balanced relationships are the ones where people know how to assert themselves and say it in a way that nobody's feeling hurt. So getting back to the original point, there's always something you could do. There's always your basco, always your calling. 
right? Like leave him. He didn't wait for anyone else. Do what could I do? I could be nicer to my spouse. I could challenge my spouse less. I could be clearer about myself. I can make sure that my needs are being understood and met in a healthy way. There's so much you could do. Don't give your don't give your spouse classes and don't give shirim and papers and, and advice. Don't figure out what you could do in a healthy way. I mean, I just hope that could uh, be taken well. And I'll say one more thing, and that is when somebody feels bogged down by this responsibility, like I can never mess up. That's what it sounds like. I can never mess up. I can never have a bad day. First of all, oh, yeah, maybe. And when I say maybe, I don't mean that you know that I have a bad day. I mean that before you kick off your shoes, metaphorically, and, and, and be in a bad mood, realize there's someone else here. You're sharing your bad mood with someone, if you like it or not. You had a bad day? Okay, one second. Remember, there's someone here. If your spouse would be in Florida on vacation, you could come home and you could punch the walls. If someone's in the house, you can't do that. But I had a bad day, you still can't do that. That's what a relationship means. There's a certain... Again, you, not your spouse. There's something that you should realize that living with someone else means that even when something really is bothering you, you're still going to have to take into account the fact that there's someone else here and that person is being affected by your mood regardless of how hard your day was or regardless of what your mood is. It doesn't mean that you have to be with this huge smile and make believe everything's fine. It means you have to figure out a way to express yourself. It could be by telling your spouse, I had a very hard day, I'm going to take a walk, or I need some time to lay down, or please understand that I'm quetching or sharing with you, not because I'm upset at you, I think you're, you're the problem, I just have to vent, and how much is bothering me. There's ways to preface it and express it and deal with it. The point is not to always make believe everything's fine. You're also a human being. That's where they call dependency part. You don't have to always make sure someone else is feeling great about what's coming out of your mouth and, and what's on your face. But do it in a way. Do it responsibly. Realize there's another person here and the ball's in your court. Like I said before, everyone understands you could ruin a relationship, but I had a bad day. Yeah, you had a bad day. And if you, if you break the house down or you run away or I don't know what else, what other examples to give, you could put your relationship in jeopardy. Yeah, but, but I had a bad day. I know. So the fact that you could fix your relationship, even when things are bad, just comes from a certain uh, good feeling that you could do a lot to make you and the people around you feel better and live together.